0: If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele.
1: And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Hey there, and welcome to episode 110 of the Leading Learning Podcast. In this episode, we talk with two of our favorite people in the learning business, Carol Hodes with NIGP, the Institute for Public Procurement, and Diane Simmons of the American Academy of Dermatology. Carol has recently retired, and Diane will soon, so we wanted to hear and learn from their valuable perspectives before they head off to new adventures. I guess you could call this an exit interview of sorts. Before we do that, though, we want to highlight a resource, and we also want to acknowledge the founding sponsors for Review My LMS, a new initiative we have underway in collaboration with 100 Reviews.
0: That's right. As we mentioned in the previous episode, we're helping the folks at 100 Reviews, namely Ben Martin and Terry Carden, launch a new learning management system review site that's built on the same model as their very successful Review My AMS site. We're gonna be providing more details about the site in the coming weeks, but for now we want to acknowledge the four companies that have stepped up to help get it off the ground and to help create a very transparent space in which LMS users can review the systems that they're using so that other organizations who are looking for an LMS have access to that information as part of their decision process. We feel like this has been a gap in the association and broader learning business market for quite a while, so we're really excited to know that it will soon be filled with support from the following companies, Community Brands, Digitel, Next Thought, and WebCourseWorks. We're going to link to each of those companies from the show notes for this episode, which you can find at leadinglearning.com episode 110. And if you're looking for an LMS, we really encourage you to visit these companies and see what they have to offer.
1: We also encourage you to grab the resource that we want to highlight for this episode. And this is a sort of Uber resource document titled, appropriately enough, Resources for Organizations in the Business of Lifelong Learning. We created this a while back, and as the title suggests, it's a document that serves as a single point of reference for accessing many other documents. In it, we've organized our tools, models, and frameworks, our research reports, and a range of other resources in a way that makes it easy for you to see what they are and access them. This document is free, and all of the resources it lists, other than our two annual events, are also free. You can grab it by going to the show notes for this episode at leadinglearning.com/slash episode 110. Or if you're subscribed by iTunes or another podcasting service, you'll see the download link right there in the information or notes area. And that's just one of the benefits of being a subscriber to Leading Learning. So, so Salisa. I know with two smart and highly experienced learning leaders like Carol and Diane it had to be challenging to figure out how to focus the conversation there're just so many possibilities so what What ground did you cover?
0: Well, you're right. They both have long uh, careers in the association space, in the learning business, so figuring out where to focus the conversation was challenging, but it was fun, as always, to talk to these two leaders of learning. Um, We talked a little bit about the the timing of their decision to retire, uh, in terms of did they always know this, and then once they decided to make that uh, leap onto the next phase of their life, um, what did it look like to prepare their organization for that? And then we also spent some time uh, looking back in terms of, you know, what was some of the biggest lessons learned over the the course of of their career. And you know, what did they what happened uh, in the career of learning during their their time working that was really exciting for them. You know, as you head off into a new phase of life, as each of them is doing with with retirement, you know, it's a time, a natural time for, Reflection and so that's what we got to do um, with Carol and Diane is spend a little bit of time reflecting on the last few decades of of learning and what it's meant to them.
1: Well, I know I for one am very much going to miss having each of them out there in their respective positions at their organizations. They're people that uh, I relied upon for advice on many occasions. In fact, they both did advise us on our uh, on our events. They were on the advisory board for the uh, symposium. And, you know, I think that uh, if you're a listener out there who is working for a learning business of any sort, I just, I know there's going to be a lot of wisdom to be gotten from listening to Diane and Carol. So without further ado, let's roll this exit interview with Carol Hodes and Diane Simmons.
0: Hello out there. I'm Celisa Steele, and this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Today is special as I'm joined by not one, but two guests, Carol Hodes and Diane Simmons, both veterans of the learning world. Carol retired from NIGP, the Institute for Public Procurement, about Two months ago uh, where she was serving as the Executive Director of Knowledge Management and Diane who is the Chief Learning Officer for the American Academy of Dermatology is a few months away from her planned retirement. Um, and- retirement seems like an appropriate time for reflecting on one's career and what one's learned and so this episode is is kind of a a podcast swan song where we get diane's and carol's perspectives on what they've learned about learning so carol and diane thanks very much for making time for the leading learning podcast
2: our pleasure thanks
0: for inviting me well, so to start things off, since I only mentioned kind of your, your current role, Diane, and your most recent position, Carol, I'd love to have each of you give a brief history of your career, where you've worked and what you've done, especially in terms of, of learning. So, so, Carol, would you start us off?
2: Sure. Thanks again for inviting me, Salisa. I'm looking forward to the conversation um, As you mentioned, I did recently retire from the Institute for Public Procurement. I was there for about 18 years. So there was quite a bit of transition from the products and services we provided, from redoing textbooks and re-energizing curriculum to uh, bringing uh, technology into um, our delivery system we um, dialogue. We began a dialogue with academicians about how better to educate um, public administration students in the area of public procurement. It's been a wonderful ride. It's been 18 years of first, and uh, I it changed my life. It was a wonderful place to end my working career.
3: Well
0: well, great, and so yeah, as you mentioned, you had a, a long history with uh, NIGP and um, and Diane, I think as I understand it, I think that y- you have a little bit of a different background, maybe um, working in some some different organizations, but but tell us, give us the sort of short version of of your career history.
3: Sure. I've been involved in healthcare uh, for my entire career. Um, Most um, uh, worked as a a nurse and uh, hospital administrator for a number of years and joined the association world uh, about 20 plus years ago and have served in a variety of capacities with various specialty nursing organizations and um, uh, healthcare finance organizations and most recently with the American Academy of Dermatology. All of those uh, stops along the way, have been focused on uh, professional development and learning and um, really uh, helping build the strategic vision for, uh, for, for learning and development within uh, each of those areas. I, uh, too, Carol, feel pretty blessed to have um, had the career options that I've had uh, and um, uh, am uh, really um, pleased that I was able to uh, uh, end my career at a place where I feel like I've made a difference and uh, have really advanced the uh, sort of scope of learning activities for the organization.
0: Well, that's great. So you both, yes, have a a track record working in the association world, working in learning. Um, Let's turn to talking a little bit about timing. I'm curious to know, know, did you always have sort of a, a goal date by which you'd retire, or is that something that you arrived at more recently and, and more organically. And, and then I'm also thinking about timing in the sense of, from when you sort of knew, okay, I, I want to retire, you know, what was the process like for sharing that and then preparing your organization and, and team for your departure? And, and Diane, this time I'll turn to you to, to start us off.
3: Sure, well, first of all, I'm not retiring. I'm launching my second childhood without adult uh, <laughs> supervision. So uh, that's uh, <laughs> the like you that. to go next. Uh, and and I, you know, I've, I've loved my career loved my work. So I didn't really have a date certain in mind by which I intended to retire. Uh, we've had uh, uh, some fortunate um, uh, experiences as a family here that allowed us to um, make that decision. But the timing seems right from the perspective of where the organization is uh, in terms of the next steps of, of development and uh, sort of coupled with... Um, uh, w- with my realization that that the time is here, you know, I, I I knew I would always know when the right time was, but didn't so didn't want to put any boundaries around that. And I, I think it, the the last several years, just thinking about the possibility of retiring, was actually pretty um, uh, a pretty dynamic and, and fluid discussion because uh, for someone who's worked their entire career, uh, it's it's a little daunting to think about that not being there. In that structure, but um, uh, I did give the organization as much advance notice as possible and gave them choices around uh, the timing. Our big annual meeting is in February, so uh, I was uh, willing to stay through that to um, uh, to help the team and, and the organization through that, and then uh, uh, we'll, we'll uh, exit uh, shortly after that.
0: Well, great, and, and Diane, I think maybe there was a, I'm sorry, Carol, I think there was sort of a similar uh, 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 timing on, on your part in that you stayed through uh, your organization's big annual meeting and then sort of exited not long after that. Do I have that right?
2: That's right. That, the annual meeting was in August, and um, I was done shortly thereafter. It was a good time to go, although it was difficult to say goodbye to so many people publicly. Mm-hmm. I'd, uh, it, I would have been very comfortable to just slip away, but some um, some others <laughs> in my community didn't think that was a good idea. <laughs> and now to answer <laughs> your first question, I didn't really have a set date, but I, I knew uh, – Like Diane said, I knew when it was the right time. It just felt right. Um, This is my, fortunately for me, my third career. I was a public school teacher. Um, Then I left public um, education to follow my husband, and as he progressed through corporate promotion, so I went into the hospitality industry, wound up being a, a trainer with them, and that was very... Uh, rewarding and um, sales with hotels and hospitality in the industry and then um, 18 years as an association executive so i who knows what my um next opportunity (laughs) will be but i believe there's another one there it's just um i'm just ready for the next challenge
0: well, great! I didn't realize that you had the the school teacher background in there as well. So it, it's not too surprising that you ended up uh, dealing with knowledge management in the end.
2: I always felt that the things that I did, um, whether it was teaching school or in the hospitality industry, really prepared me for working in an association. Uh, it's all about customer service, and then, of course, the education piece fell together. So. Yes, it was a wonderful blend.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, great. And so, I, I'll move on to a next question. It's kind of a big question, which is that when you look back at what you've learned over the the course of of your uh, careers to date, um, you know, what's one of the most important lessons you've learned? And I, I'm thinking, if you want, you could. Take this from the perspective of what advice would you give to someone who's at an earlier career stage, or what you might have told your younger self if you could have. And uh, Carol, I'm going to start with with you this time.
2: My younger self, I do remember her. She was very. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think the biggest thing for me was. That I would have liked to have resolved earlier on was, don't be afraid to take risks. Um, mm-hmm. There's always good learning that comes from failure. Um, I don't think we allow uh, enough learning as a result from uh, as a result of risk taking. Uh, And if something doesn't um, play out the way you anticipated it or anticipated it or expected the results to be, the piece that seems to be missing is we don't do enough self-assessment or reflection, um, that Delta Plus conversation around what went well, what we've done better, and it has to be a very frank conversation with everyone involved, um, because if you do take a risk, it, you certainly don't do it in a um, silo within an organization. Um, it has, you have to bring in all the other people who have perspectives. So every product, every service, every new idea has implications for the rest of the organization. And so when you look back, what was good, what was bad, you really have to be um, frank and honest. Um, so I, I think I would have liked to have been a better risk taker and so to tell my younger self that that's, it's okay to fail, you know, got to try. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that I really uh, grabbed hold of Uh, and it sort of plays off on that, was that adult learning, as we've come to know it, it doesn't happen in a bubble. You just can't... This teacher approach to adult learning has to take into account the entire person. These are people that have lives outside their work these are people that their mothers their fathers their grandparents their their caregivers their volunteers and you have to work at finding the way the best way to provide the learning in a way that meets their needs and supports supports what they're doing at the time you just can't grab onto the fact well whatever the organization the chapter, the association, the uh, volunteer, that that is not their whole life. So you really have to look at the entire person when you provide learning opportunities.
0: Well, great. Those are two important lessons uh, that sort of that you're teaching the whole person um, and and not just uh, uh, that uh, individual who happens to be in in the classroom or in the online session or, or whatever. I like that. And then, too, that idea of Kind of reasonable risks and being open to then really um, honestly assessing um, the results from, from taking that risk um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the good and the bad. So, so um, Diane, you know, how about you? What's, uh, what's an important lesson that, that you've learned?
3: Well I, th- I think Carol certainly articulated well um, the, the issue about risk, which is something that, that I think um, that, you know as I look back on my career and the the, the evolution it went through from being a clinician to being an administrator to being a um, uh, on the association side it certainly involved uh, taking risks, but it also uh, uh, took took some imagination, which I think uh, we, we often discount um, uh, for uh, for People, I, um, a, a mantra that I learned fairly early that I still come back to is staying open to the possibilities. And it sounds cliche, but what I mean by that is, uh, you know, and, and advice I give our kids all the time is you can't turn down a job you haven't been offered. So learn what you can <laughs> about what the next opportunity might look like, how it might fit with your skills, and 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 think. As creatively as possible about where uh, where you might um, fit in that, and I think that's true for organizations too. As we work with volunteer leaders and others who uh, you know have some insights and input that we don't have, uh, it's sometimes easy to discount that. But um, trying to find that balance between what's what's possible and what's imagined, I think is, is where the the really sweet stuff happens uh, in terms. of of uh, program development and certainly professional development um, uh, for individuals. So, so I think that, you know, again, emphasizing the, the taking the calculated and measured risks um, and staying open to those um, possibilities and finding the, the compromise between those two sometimes is, um, uh, is challenging, but I think it's certainly served me well through my career. What
0: I really liked what you ha- had to say about imagination, because I think that uh, it gets mm-hmm. this idea of we're not just reactively kind of taking advantage of, of what um, opportunities might, you know, c- come to us, but that we're also thinking about mm-hmm. um, maybe seeking them out, being a little bit more proactive or responding um, more creatively to even a, a, a risk or opportunity that comes to us. So that's great. Um so, uh, next question, it's another uh, pretty big one, I think, um, and it's, uh, you know, what happened uh, in the learning field um, during your career that, that really most excited you? You know, was there some innovation or, or new technology or an event that really got you excited um, by its potential for, for real impact on, on learning? So, Diane, what, what comes to mind?
3: So I, I think the most exciting thing that's happened, and maybe this is just a personal aha that's that's um, uh, that, that 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 has evolved, is the the, the transition from education to learning. Um, and um, uh, you know, to the outsider, it may seem like a subtle difference, but it's. I think it's made an enormous impact on the kind of delivery methods and um, uh, approaches that we're now using. And when we think about it from the learning space, not just the education space. Um, and, and I think that's um, you know, the technology is there to support um, uh, the you know the strategic vision and so on. So I think that's certainly opened up lots of different possibilities. The other thing that I see evolving, and, and maybe it's um, uh, sort of an end of one, but, but is a, a, a transition in our thinking from uh, thinking of learning and education as these sort of Big, you know, you know, extravaganza kinds of things, to focusing more on the moments of learning, um, where where um, you know where where you can truly make an impact in um, in in sort of micro um, uh, micro kinds of ways. So so I think that's probably been the biggest um, shift. And again, maybe it's just my personal uh, view, but I think I see that kind of across the board. And I think it's going to be even more powerful. Uh, for the future
0: yeah so that move from education to to learning which really kind of gets the also at that knowing doing gap i think right that the learning really becomes more embodied mm-hmm. and um, is actually uh, being applied and therefore having the desired impact uh, carol how about you was there a particular innovation or, or technology or, or event that stands out that um, got you really excited about learning and, and the potential there
2: Well, I do agree with Diane that the shift from uh, professional development um, has really moved um, toward learning. And I go back to my uh, comments before about um, acknowledging adults learn differently and um, shifting it from um, uh, a a learner is – meant to feel fortunate that this very big head is in the room and the very big head will tell them everything they need to know to an environment where the acknowledgement that people are coming together, whether in a small situation or a large situation, and they already bring with them um, experiences and substantial knowledge that they uh, have the opportunity then to learn from each other, uh, social learning, and acknowledging that everybody comes knowing something and everybody can learn from somewhere else, from someone else. uh, It's heartening to know that it's not teacher-centered anymore, it's learner-centered on every level, Mm -hmm. and that has, Mm -hmm. I think, has been impacted to the good for technology. Uh, Think about those classrooms there when someone spoke for 45 minutes and then there was a test as opposed to now, there's a conversation, there's a two-minute video, there's um, small group work. People are engaged in the learning, and technology has added to that, Um, Mm -hmm. uh, even to the point of we've moved from click and reads to mini engagements online and and open conversations. So I don't think that technology has uh, been a driver, but it has been a supporter of shifting to how adults Mm -hmm. learn and providing opportunities for them to do that.
0: Yeah. So, so technology has that um, democratizing uh, uh, impact that really supports the learners, empowers the learners to to draw on their experience and share their experience. Um, well, well, great. So, the, you know, that last question I asked you guys to sort of look back um, in terms of you know what's what's happened uh, over the course of of the last few decades that's excited you, and now let's look forward. Um, and so, when you look at the What's on the horizon for learning? You know, what's out there that excites you the most? Um, Carol, what are your thoughts?
2: Well, learning in general excites me, so we
0: could
2: just stop there. But Uh, but, um, advanced applications, the opportunity to provide um, more than just the basics. Uh, Take what you know and flip it uh, 90 degrees and then apply that to a situation. Situational learning, I think, is out there. More competency-based um, in that I can show I know these seven things and then I'll do something else and now you can see I can do nine more things. So it, it, this these incremental um, learning opportunities and then being able to uh, provide limitless options, I think that's all very exciting. We've we've gone so far from you don't have to go to a conference; you can um, have a learning experience in any different, multiple kinds of ways. That to me is very exciting. We used to be very single focused and very silo driven on how we educate and provide professional development, but no, now it's becoming um, a continuum, which is very exciting to me.
0: Yeah, so almost Mm -hmm. sort of the diversity of of options that are out there, the diverse ways Mm -hmm. to support the the learning and making that happen. Uh, Diane, how about for you, what's on the horizon for learning that, that you find most exciting?
3: Well, I think we're going to continue to see more of this. Um, Carol um, uh, uh, phrased it well of this learner centric um, uh, kind of learning. And, and I think that's going to result in more individualized um, education as people assess their own competency and skills, um, help point them to different directions where they can uh, continue the learning. I, I think um, we're, we're at kind of this crossroads between, you know, the sort of mass, um, delivery methods for education and the more tailored to, uh, to the individual, you know, for years, we've all said in the association space, the best learning at our conferences happens in the hallways. So Mm. how can we replicate the hallway (laughs) learning, um, to, uh, to, to a more targeted approach. And typically that learning has to do with things that, that are, uh, either case-based, you know, from a clinical perspective or uh, that may be more um, uh, sort of leadership kind of moments, um, those kinds of activities. But if we can find a way... To tailor that to meet people where they're at and uh, take them the next step on their journey, I think that's the, I think that's the the, the exciting thing about um about the the learning space um, uh, in the future. You know, we all know that there is such incredible access to information. Some of it good, some of it not so good. But there's um, there's not a lack of information uh, or knowledge out there. It's it's how to how to distill that and disseminate that in ways which are going to be um, uh, readily accessible and available to people. I think that's kind of the next horizon here.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, very interesting too with the some of the technology um, advances that, that there's this possibility to take what what was a mass offering and and tailor that you know using um, mm-hmm. algorithms or you know ultimately artificial intelligence to really make it a much more individualized personalized uh, experience that focuses on what mm-hmm. that particular learner needs so um, what I'm wondering about is is you uh, Carol you've begun um, your your time away from from your organization you've begun retirement Diane you're on the the verge of heading out there I'm I'm wondering what role you see learning playing during your retirement Diane what are your thoughts you're not quite there yet.
3: Well, this um as as I mentioned earlier, I think this is one of the most stressful transitions. <laughs> <laughs> that you can imagine in your career because we're heading into some pretty uncharted territory um, uh, in terms of what the next steps are. Um, and the best advice that I've gotten about making this transition is to just allow myself to be in free fall for a year. And what I mean by that is not having any externally imposed agendas um, and to really sort of free up um, uh, space in my brain or in my soul for... What, uh, as Carol mentioned, what that next, um, uh, opportunity might be. Um, I know that, that I will continue to be engaged in some way, but I, I, think it's important to, for me, to allow that space to begin to define itself, um, uh, in terms of what, um, uh, what might occur. And, and, and the beauty, frankly, about, um, this, this stage is being able to have the gift of time uh to um not only spend on those things that mean the most to us uh, of relationships and um uh family and and um you know connection to community and so on um but also the opportunity to learn things that i thought were a luxury things like um uh that, that appeal to my um uh, creative side and, and and so on so you know who knows i may have an art gallery in a year but probably not <laughs> 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 That's great, l- but, but it, yeah.
0: <laughs> I just love this Go idea ahead. of learning as luxury, and that that you you know feel the sense now. It sounds like to to maybe explore topics or, or subjects that you know you you felt like you didn't have the time for. Right, right. And uh, Carol, how about you? What what role do you think learning is going to play during your retirement?
2: It's amazing what you can learn from the newspaper every day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The time you have available when you're working, um, even to read the newspaper is, um, Mm -hmm. I love Diane's comments about the the time to reflect. time I now have time to, to reflect and and um, to look at options and things that I thought were mm-hmm. a luxury. So reading the newspaper it it's um, it it is a, a pleasure and But I I think there will always be learning because if we're not Mm -hmm. learning, whether it's a new skill or learning how to navigate new waters or learning how to function on a trip, whatever it is, if you don't learn, you become stagnant. And that doesn't Mm -hmm. sound very Mm -hmm. appealing to me. I want to mm-hmm. continue to uh learn and contribute. Um I'm very interested mm-hmm. in volunteer work, but as um a friend of mine said over lunch the other day, uh, you don't have to do it right yet. Mm. So mm-hmm. I giving yourself the chi- uh, as Diane very well said um give take advantage of the time you've this gift you've been given but the learning has to go on it has to go on or you've Mm -hmm. been who wants to be with you at the dinner table if you haven't learned anything to have a good conversation (laughs) about
0: (laughs) i'm planning on keeping learning (laughs) yeah well i i I expected as much from both of you but i I think it's nice to hear that both of you um it's clearly see a role that learning will play, but you're also giving yourself the the time to um, kind of uh, have have what you want to to do next emerge what you want to learn next emerge and and not put a lot of pressure on yourself at least initially since you're you know as you're heading out mm-hmm. into this next phase of life. So we have a question that we like to ask of uh, all the podcast guests um, when they come on. And and so I want to ask that of, of each of you. Um, and I'm going to start with you, Carol. And, and the question is just, I'd like to hear about one of the most powerful learning experiences that you've been involved in as an adult, you know, since finishing your formal education. And it, by involved in that could mean you as a learner, it can mean you as, uh, as a provider, but you know, what's a really powerful learning experience that, that you've had?
2: My association um, supports a certification program, and at one point during uh, my career, I was doing a lot of traveling and promoting the certification and uh, being that cheerleader to encourage people to get certified and um, advancing the profession through certification and and how, what people could do um, for themselves, that it was their own, they owned it, it wasn't something for their organization, it was for them. So one day, and uh, I was speaking at luncheon in, in Georgia, and I gave my cheerleader rah-rah speech. This is for you. This is how. Here are the tools available to you. This is how we'll help you. And then we sat down for lunch, and a woman um, sitting next to me asked me when I got certified. No. <laughs> <So>, um, <laughs> I, I tried to graciously explain that I was not certified and that I was not eligible because I was not a practitioner, and um, she graciously, but still, um, accused me of being disingenuous. Mm. Um, how could I preach certification um, if I had not even made that commitment to myself? It, it was very humbling. Um So then it was like, well, I can't keep doing this if I uh, walk the talk thing. So um, that was when I made the decision to um, prepare and sit and, fortunately, pass the um, CAE exam. Uh, So as a result of being challenged by someone who I thought I was helping, in fact, they helped me. Um, take a risk. Be more honest. Uh, walk the talk. Uh, learn more. Uh, embrace the profession that I was um, immersed in. Um, it, it, it embodied everything uh, that I believed in, and the mission and the vision of the organization believed in. And then now I had was challenged to face um, the same. Things that um, the people I respected so much were facing—it—it it, it was life changing. It was truly life changing, and then I think it made me a better um, provider because I, un- at least for certification, because I understood what some of these people were feeling. You know, there's nothing—the pain in waiting for that little envelope <laughs> that says whether you passed or you—it's—it's. It's, um, quite uh, serious to the people going through it. So that, for me, was the most um,
0: dramatic, I
2: guess, experience. It was very powerful.
0: Yeah, so a, a learning uh, process, the the pursuing the CAE that got sparked really by uh, some insight that a conversation led to. Right. Um, yeah, that's great. Diane, how about you? When you look back, what's, what's one of the most powerful learning experiences that you've been involved with?
3: Well, I think to Carol's earlier point, one of the most profound learning experiences I have was um, being involved with an association that was a small association that was uh, in, in, in significant crisis, and it felt like a firestorm uh, uh, living through it, but it was the ultimate lab for learning and really, really embodying the principles that we've all learned in leadership development that have to do with integrity, that have to do with clarity of communication, that have to do with... With focus and vision, and you know all of the attributes that, that again, we learn about in theory. And, and it was, um, it was, it was the ultimate application lab of putting those um, uh, those practices to order. And it was, um, uh, it was um, uh, very painful to go through at the time, but in retrospect, I learned more about myself as a leader uh, and about um, what matters to me as a leader in terms of skills and behaviors. Uh, Probably anything else uh, I've ever I've ever done, um, and and the other point that I would make is I think you know as I think about the big aha moments um, uh, in my career they are that they are just moments um, that may be uh, learning that happens um, uh, sort of casually or formally or um, as um, uh, as a result of, of of an experience so that's um, kind of my fascination with learning moments moments um, uh, of uh, really really finding a way to capitalize on those.
0: That's great. So yeah, I think you both sort of uh, hit on that, those aha moments, because Carol, it sounds like when you had that conversation over lunch, that was a big aha moment that, mm-hmm. that led to other for, <laughs> for you. Um, and, and Diane, then what you were saying around, I think it's an important point that um, sometimes when we learn the most, it, it's not always pleasant mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that uh, we sometimes right. have to uh, in, endure <laughs> I um... don't recommend
3: it but it was very <laughs> yeah. <laughs> effective <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: well great well you uh, One
3: really of those enjoy
0: moments when you have to go through it to get to it
3: right that's right that's exactly right Carol <laughs> yeah
0: And so thank you very much for for both of your time. I just want to wrap up by giving you each a a chance to offer any any final thoughts. Diane, anything else that you would like to add um, before we say goodbye?
3: Well, just the, the one b- point that I would make is that, that um, we, I think we all learn best in community. So, um, uh, staying uh, attached to your your tribe or your peeps or whoever else can help you um, really um, uh, accelerate your learning and um, the learning uh, uh, opportunities um, for your organization. Uh, I think that's um, that's the piece of advice that I that I would give.
0: Well, that's, that's very nice, and I think that uh, I, I see this and you, you each taking time to have this conversation today as, as a way of you um, supporting the tribe and supporting people who are, are in mm-hmm. the positions you all have been in, so I appreciate that. Carol, how about from your end? Any uh, parting words or final thoughts?
2: Um, your tribe, I, I think, the community, I think that's a great... Um, place to start, so I think we all encourage everybody to keep listening to one another, keep learning mm-hmm. from one another, and keep living, because it's all worthwhile.
0: Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Thank you both so much. I've really enjoyed it.
3: Our Thank pleasure. you,
0: Salisa. Nice
3: to be with you, Diane. You too. <laughs> Best wishes, Carol.
2: <laughs> Good luck.
1: That wraps up our interview with Carol Hodes and Diane Simmons. To get show notes for this episode, just go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 110. And while you're there, you can grab our resource document for the episode, appropriately titled Resources for Organizations and the Business of Lifelong Learning.
0: And while you're there looking at those show notes, you're going to see various options for subscribing to the podcast. And if you're getting value out, out of what you hear, and if you aren't yet subscribed, we would be truly grateful if you would subscribe.
1: And we'd also be grateful if you'd take just a minute to give us a rating on iTunes. All you have to do is go to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes. That'll put you in the right place. It only takes a few minutes to give us a, a star rating, hopefully five stars, put in a brief review, and that helps others know what the podcast is about, what's valuable about it, helps them find it. And of course, it makes us feel kind of good if you go and do a review like that.
0: We also hope you will tell others about the podcast. You can send out a tweet by going to leadinglearning.com share, or if tweeting isn't your thing, you can pick another social network of your preference and spread the good word
1: that way. So thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.